Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you might be on the globe. Uh, this is Henry Samuel Weinreich, your host, and welcome to an extraordinary weekend show. I have to tell you, we are jumping out of our skins. We are completely and absolutely excited. I hope that you've had a fantastic weekend, whatever you've been up to. And I have to tell you, it is now exactly 6.30 p.m. on the east coast of New York City on um, a Saturday night, which means it's 11.30 uh, in the morning, in the evening on a Saturday night, um, Greenwich Mean Time in London. And that is 7.30 a.m. in Tokyo on Sunday. And where we are in Sydney, Australia, it's exactly 8.30 a.m. on a Sunday morning fantastic to see you. If this is the first time you've jumped on to Henry and Friends Live, we'd love to welcome you. And if you are returning, we love to see our returning audience because that is the whole concept of Henry and Friends Live. And as we all warm up, um, I always invite everybody to get their brew of choice, whatever it may be, whether that's H2O, something vegan, something caffeinated, something organicated. Um, I'm actually having hot chocolate this morning. That's my imbibed uh, choice. Um, so just to remind everybody, and we have got the most exciting show coming up, um, this is the concept of a network, of a community, and um, it's always the concept of you think you know your friends, but do you really? And today, have we got somebody's shoes that we are going to step into? Our leading psychiatrist, Dr. David Salvage, who's behind the green room getting all ready to go with an extraordinary amount of knowledge about internet dating, online dating, online relationships. It is going to be an explosive show today because let's face it, who doesn't want to know what really things mean, why people are thinking about us, why they're relating to us in the way they do. So um, we have had such a buzz about the show, I cannot begin to tell you. And when you all meet Dr. David Salvage, MD, you will understand why this gentleman, in, this doctor, this highly professional um, expert is not just a leading expert in New York City, but let me tell you, he's celebrated around the world. So I think it's time for us to do a little bit of a countdown. And before we introduce David, uh, Dr. David Salvage to the audience, um, I'm going to tell you um, that we're actually very excited because um, this is the start of the show that's actually going to open up to our YouTube audience. So we're going to be inviting a whole lot more audience to, um, to join us. And this is going to be the first show where we're really opening up the gates after eight months of doing Henry and Friends Live. So this weekend, it's all about internet dating. What does ghosting mean? What is it all about with online relationships? But before that, let's do a countdown. Welcome. Here we go. God, I love that song, Super Bloom, and it is blooming wherever we are in the world. Um, I want to start the show, as I always do, with an editorial, and I think it's really apropos because a friend of mine who I went to school with, maybe, what is it, 40 years ago now, um, sent me this clip, which is absolutely incredible, and it's actually Emirates Airlines, which we're going to play in a moment, and I'd love your thoughts on this. Uh, Emirates Airlines and their campaign, which has just come out, um, actually promoting the fact that now the United Kingdom is recognizing people from the UAE to fly. 
But what absolutely captured my, um, uh, you know, uh, imagination, and also Dr. David Salwich, MD, who was watching it just before we went on the show, is what's real? And how much do we aspire and what do we see? So I'm wondering, I'm going to ask you, when you see this advertisement, which is extraordinary, was this photoshopped or did she really go to the top of the Khalifa building? Have a look at this coming up. Here we go. the bottom line i'm sorry but if that doesn't get you going this morning nothing will so um now without any further ado just to uh, remind you please make sure you get your questions ready about online relationships online dating the first part of this show up to the hour we'll be talking to david about all things dr david salvage md um, and what it's like actually in his shoes um, part two is going to be questions about dating, terminology and all that sort of stuff. And then part three is going to be our, um, our pre-show, our post-show and how we felt about it. We are thrilled to have you on. If you are newcomers, welcome. All those newcomers that are coming in from YouTube, welcome to our network. This is Henry and Friends Live. And boy, do we have a guest for you. Let's just do a little visual introduction. Ladies and gentlemen, there's such a build-up. I think if your screen is not exploding, then there's something wrong with your screen. Adjust it. Without any further ado, psychiatrist, leading psychiatrist, internationally renowned, experts on all things relationships. Welcome aboard, Dr. David Salvage, MD. Welcome. <laughs> Hi, Henry. Nice to be with you today. How are you this morning? Well, this evening in New York City. How are you doing, Dr. David? I'm doing well. Doing well. Staying cool. 
uh, staying cool because it's what, what, what's your temperature? What are you doing this morning? Oh, or this right in the evening, it's cooling down a little bit, but New York is really under a heat advisory. It's about 98 degrees. It is really sweltering. And I think a lot of folks are really staying in and staying by their air conditioning and feeling a lot of anxiety because or um, COVID infection rate has just passed a million in New York, which is so far the Northeast has been a little bit better and it ties in so much so to this very important topic of internet dating, because it's not just internet dating, it's internet dating in the data in the data the age rather of lockdown, where a lot of people really can't go out or don't want to go out or a mask. So that's really adding a tremendous amount of isolation to what's happening in a lot of people's lives who are single and are looking to meet people. It's a well, I mean, the, the, the switchboard is lighting up and people want to leapfrog into all of our online dating and relationships. But before they do, I think people would actually really want to know because we all want to know. Like, you know, they say if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. And then there's another one who's like, if you can be a leading psychiatrist in New York City, you've made it on top of the making it. What was your what was that moment? Did you have that moment when you thought to yourself, I want to be a psychiatrist? Did it come upon you? You know, it was a slow build, but I remember in uh, high school taking classes in psychology, and when I really saw theories that showed how people behaved in the ways that they did, be it psychoanalytic explanations from Sigmund Freud and the unconscious, be it more experiments that were more cognitive behaviorally based about what influenced people to even to stay in a restaurant longer or make the purchases they did and how psychology explained so much, it was really kind of a natural where there was just a deep desire to understand what people did. And in looking at, you know, a little bit of the difference between psychiatrists and psychologists, psychologists are often very well trained academically, but don't do medications. Psychiatrists we train as doctors and then specialize. I was very interested in the interrelationship between the brain physically, neurochemically, biologically, as well as how people behaved and how the brain becomes the mind. So that seemed like the better path to do that than becoming a psychologist, actually. Um, I think the question we've got, the switchboard is lighting up from Canberra, the capital of the of Australia, to London, England, and our beauty correspondent will be on next week, Rubina Latif. Hello, Melita. Uh, to Kat and people right around the world. Um, I think we all want to know how difficult is it? Like everybody piles on you, right? So they've got all their shtick, they've got all their stuff, they've got it all turned up right high because, of course, it's New York City, deep fried neurosis. Yeah. How do you handle you? Yeah. Well, I think part of the profession, people outside it sometimes see it a little bit as like, oh, God, this must be such a dream because, you know, people just have problems. And they do. And it can be a bit much. And you definitely have to, like right now I'm at a house that I have in, uh, by the beach that I love going here because it's a way of getting away from things and decompressing and going swimming and being in nature. But when psychiatry or psychotherapy is working well, it's a really attractive field because people do get better. And it's a little bit more like starting out where it's a bit like in dramatic theory, a play opens on a certain day or at a certain time because the dramatic action has already begun occurring and that the play then captures it. King Lear has already decided to break up the kingdom in King Lear. Um, I forget the lead character in A Raisin in the Sun has already decided he's going a certain way as the play begins. The psychotherapy is very much like that, where someone has been sticking with a problem or has been brewing with some conflict before they get to your office. So when they do, it's a little bit like the dramatic action is released and then Ideally, you're more in the role of being an editor to an ongoing process which is moving it up to say, I don't want this to be a tragedy, and hopefully neither does the client. <laughs> see what it's like if it's been become more of a heroic 
story where this is genius because this is genius sorry to interrupt you but i think everybody's going ballistic here we've got um, alexander um from uh, poland who's tuned in welcome alexander the the fantastic thing is that you're right because you know it's like before i mean hands up if you haven't been to a shrink put your hands down okay <laughs> we've all been to shrinks mainly please let us know if you've actually been to a psychiatrist in your experience we'd love to know in the comment bar um but you know you're right it's like the drama the Ju romeo and juliet it's all happened before you go to the psychiatrist you're building up you're building up you're building up and then there he is and there's somehow you're on your best behavior in a way <laughs> yeah so you're doing the editing, but I mean, I think you, I think you, um, low key, you're extraordinary, you know, the stress and you are now at the moment in your holiday home and that must be a big a release for you. Yes. It's really nice being able to get away partly from the city itself. But one of the things I think that often is a bit of a caricature of New York, but there's a truth to it is it's not that everyone here is so neurotic, although we have been accused of that and there's a little truth there, but it's also that it's a very psychological culture. So, you know, when I talk to colleagues who are in other places in Boulder and we're in the Midwest or places like that, they have a harder time actually because people tend to see psychiatry or psychotherapy as a more stigmatizing thing. You would only do that if you were really crazy. Where I think New Yorkers, many are really committed to a higher quality of life. I think that's true in a lot of world capitals for psychiatry in London, in Paris, in Amsterdam, in the bigger cities around the world. It's really taken very seriously. And for example, in a city like Buenos Aires, more than 50% of the population seek out psychotherapy quite regularly. Um, and it's really just woven into the culture that it doesn't have that bourgeois notion, oh my God, you're nuts, you're seeing a shrink, but more you want to get deeper into your life and understand yourself and really deepen and have a richer experience of who you are, your fantasy life, your dreams, what motivates you, all of that. It's a bit of a different way of thinking. So it's that's, that's, easy. That's, that is fascinating. And I tell you what, I don't know if everybody feels the same, and I think we do. I just feel like we've entered into your office space, Doctor. Oh, and I feel that we're all on the sofa because it's so true. You have these presupposed pre perceptions of what psychiatry is. And the word shrink is a bit derogatory, isn't it? Yes, but, you know, I think sometimes it's really a fun word to use because it sort of demystifies, it de-idealizes, and it can make people feel in a way like it's okay to sit on the couch. And what we most want in therapy is for the client to feel like they can be the most real. You know, and so if there are words that come up from the id, you know, whatever they may be, shrink, or sometimes, you know, more guttural utterances, obscenities, you know, it's not like therapy elicits that, but we kind of welcome it because it's a real language. It's what the French call la langue, which is language that's embodied, that's emotive, that really gets people to experience something. So there's not a deadness to the language that says, well, I went to the store and I bought some food and I then went home and watched a TV show. You know, if we get to La Long, people are really saying things that are much more emotive and visceral and they're activating their energies to hopefully shift in different directions. Which, if we think of it thing, is one of the hard things about it is that as primates, as a species, we are really drawn to a much more 3D experience. The sound of a voice, the aroma of someone, the energy you feel when you're in, the, in their presence. And so cyberspaces are strange spaces to be because as per your opening with that beautiful shot on that building, which was just so energizing, there is a way cyberspaces are very real spaces, but they're hyper real in certain ways and unreal in others. 
which is why as a dating arena, it can be a very confusing and at times upsetting, anxiety producing place to be because you're getting sort of something that's sort of overly loaded and it's very front loaded. And yet also it doesn't have that three dimensional kinetics of touch, sound and taste and the directness of really experiencing someone live in the flesh, which is incomparable. Well, it's, it's interesting because that really is a bit of a dovetail. And I think we're going to do a bit of cheat notes here because I think if, if, if I'm not careful, the switchboard here is going to blow up and everybody really wants to talk about internet dining and I'm going to put a few questions. But I think what you're saying, uh, and to pick up um, your advice and your knowledge is, what you're saying is really goes right across and giving people safe places to talk, connecting, uh, talking about issues, having good friends around, um, and therefore a psychiatrist or a psychologist can dovetail some of those and expedite them. Um, what we've tried to do on this show is to provide a safe, safe space, and we've learned so much, and that's why we're so thrilled uh, that you can add that professional perspective and, and horoscope on this um, particular topic. My last thing um, I'm going to ask you is um, on you as a psychiatrist before we rocket into the online relationship dating world, internet dating, online dating, online relationships is you say you put to one side um, that it's not difficult, that you can cope with it, that the dramas happened, the storms happened, and now it's the sun, sun showers. But it's not really always like that. One of the some things that have stayed, I mean, without, you know, taking away from your professional, um, you know, efficacy and your privacy codes, um, but have there been things that have haunted you? Um, you don't have to say what it is. And what have you done? How have you done? What have you done to kind of like relieve yourself of some of the horrific experiences people can have? Yeah. You know, truthfully, I think one of the more horrific things that's happening in the United States, I don't know whether this is as true in Europe or Australia, is the system is just so not very functional in terms of the interface between insurance companies, pharmacies, and supplies. So for example, this is a minor horror, but I have a lovely patient who will remain totally nameless and confidential, but this kind of story is very common. common. You know, realized they were out of medication, you know, texted me yesterday to say, I am leaving for another country. Could you please put in an emergency supply of my antidepressant? So I did. The pharmacy, the first pharmacy we went to was totally out of this particular thing. The yeah. second pharmacy we went to wouldn't take his insurance. The third pharmacy we went to just never answered. Like despite electronically prescribing this medication that the person desperately needs to have, they just were dysfunctional. Nothing ever happened. They kept calling them. No one ever picked up the phone. I had sent in an electronic transmission. So I think the level of stress that's built into the system in that way, the idea that everything is what we could call Kafka-esque. In novels like that Kafka wrote, it was always you were dealing with an endless bureaucracy that sent you to the next bureau, that sent you to the next bureau. That aspect of healthcare in general, but especially with mental health, is really frazzling. And that's the thing more than my clients or patients that I feel the most need to decompress from is just the headache of that. Well, that is absolutely fascinating. And, and um, we're going to have a break in a second because what you're talking about is absolutely, totally in relation to online dating. Because when you see a person, the real, whatever it is, but it's the buildup and it's the frustration and it's the non-understanding and not knowing. So we're really excited for you to give us some insights. But that's fascinating because who would know, who would any of us who are watching this now would even consider that actually 
some of the worst stress is comes in with the bureaucracy and the red tape of you trying to do your your profession. Unbelievable. Are you enjoying yourself, by the way? Very much. Very much. Excellent. We're going to put you in the green room for a moment, and I want you to gird your loins because you're going to get out your tools of psychiatry. The sofa is going to be dusted down. We're going to polish it up because we're going to get into everything to do with online dating. Stay tuned, Dr. David. Have a sip of your herbal tea. Show us your cup. I love your cup. Show us your mug. Well, now that is a psychiatrist mug. We'll be back with David uh, in the green room in a second. I really hope that you're enjoying the show. We've got some fantastic questions. Any questions you've got about online dating would be absolutely fantastic. Um, we have been waiting for this show um, all week. And um, as I've said, we're opening the floodgates uh, to our new friends on YouTube. And um, we can expect quite a jump in our audience ship. And we're really, really excited about that. So I'm just going to do a countdown now. Oh, that didn't go well. I'm going to do a countdown now into the show coming up part two, which is all the questions about online dating. And uh, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Well, thank you very much. We've got um, some questions and rhetorical responses so far. And one of our most favourite um, uh, listeners and viewers and audience is um, Jeffrey Alvin, and he's based in um, New York State. And um, he actually admits, he's confessing here, that he's never gone to a psychiatrist or a psychologist, which is not a problem. And uh, he's got a little rhetorical comment here, which we love from Jeffrey. Welcome again, Jeffrey. We love you being on here. Uh, much like online dating, many of us turn to the internet to self-diagnose. How do you, well, let me have to read this up now. I'm under glasses. Hold on, David. Let me just, okay, let me go start again. Much like online dating, many of us turn to the internet to self-diagnose. How do you find your practice and patient practice has changed in the age of internet and those who hit the internet first are beauty. What are your comments about that? How have you seen the shift of, you know, what's your thoughts? You know, I think overall, it's a really good thing because more than ever before, courtesy of the internet and the availability of information, patients are coming in and they're smarter, they're more well-educated, they have really researched things, they understand side effects of medications, and they're also often more well-versed in different types of psychotherapies, what they can expect, how long they would take, the kind of goals they have. So there's an old saying, you know, an educated consumer is your best customer. And I think that's very true for this industry as it is for many that, you know, to have people who are informed is a good thing. Where I think this can go wayward is the source of information. So I think there are really good sites like WebMD is probably the best, which is very well researched and it's peer reviewed and the information that is there is very real. What I think is a lot harder are people who get their messaging more from message boards where there are just random comments by people. And there, there's sometimes more work one has to do as a clinician to sort of backpedal it to say, you know, that person was in intensive Freudian analysis for seven years and they never got anywhere and they think the whole thing is a bust. But that's just their experience and it's not really generalizable to others. That's also very true with medication. So I do sometimes have people who call to say, but I really wanna go on drug X 
Lamictal, for instance, because my I saw on an internet board someone said that was a wonder drug and they had struggled for years with something and they just I should be on that. And it's more a way of saying the brain is truly the most complex organ we have. You know, it has hundreds of billions of neurons. And they're very, very weird cells. I remember a professor when I was in medical explaining it like this, and it was not hyperbolic, it was real. He said, if you look at your average skin cell, your average liver cell, your average pancreatic cell, if we look at my hand as an example of that, my fist is the size of the cell, and my thumb is the size of an axon, which is what would connect it to the next cell, and they would be yeah. here. If we think of a neuron, truly, let me get back to my fist here, the cell body, <laughs> the scale of my hand, the axon, the body of the cell would extend out would extend beyond my room. I don't know if I can angle it here, but it's big. It would extend beyond the room. It would extend all the way here, out beyond this, and would actually wrap around the planet. So these are very, very weird cells. They're very different, and we have a billion of them. The next most complex organ we have is the heart. So can I stop you for one second? You're saying these cells are that long that they can wrap around the globe? And when they're scaled. For the scale, oh, the scale. If, if we look How at it, it yeah, it's wild. I mean, the body's very small, the arms are very long, and again, billions of them. So if we look at a bell curve of the way brains are organized differently, yes. the way people are going to experience a particular disorder, be it anxiety or depression, is going to be very, very different. The way their brain is going to metabolize medication at the neuroreceptor level is going to be very, very different. So one of the things that really illustrates this, but in the past few years, ketamine has gotten very big for the treatment of severe depression and other, other disorders as well. You know, it's very hard to predict it, but I have patients who require, you know, four or five times the amount another patient will to get an effect it's very variable, but also some people take the smallest amount of this and get really nauseous and are throwing up and are really sick. And so something you can help that. It's a lot of the genetics and that, again, the brain reactions and how complicated it is, where others say, you know, I actually felt queasy before I got here and now I feel actually this treated my nausea. So it's a way of trying to say the internet can provide a lot of fake information if it's too much from an anecdotal report and not sourced enough from a more responsible type of website. I would say the other part, which is somewhat limited by rules in the United States now in a way it wasn't, is the control of advertising where the advertisements for medications in general are a little bit of a joke because you see a beautiful image of a butterfly or a swan or people at a party, you know, having some kind of zesty activity. And then afterwards, it's almost like a little postmodern song by some group like the Talking Heads, where it'll say something like, but side effects include possible seizures, nausea, death, sudden erection, blah, blah, blah. And you just have the sudden list of things that could go wrong, which are totally minimized, you know, into a way that you can barely hear it. So there is often a way people may react by being overly over-frightened because they are listening to that a little too intensely and the percentages are low, or also don't hear it and are expecting magic a little well, bit. So, so talking about everything that we've got today that you've just jumped on, you're on Henry and Friends Live around the globe. It is exactly almost uh, nine, sorry, it is almost exactly seven o'clock on the east coast of the United States of America which makes it midnight for Rubina and everybody in London. It's just going from Saturday to Sunday. In Tokyo, it is literally hitting um, eight o'clock in the morning. And in 
Sydney, Australia. It's hitting almost 9am on a Sunday. Welcome to you all. If you have just jumped on, we are talking about internet dating. We have an extraordinary leading psychiatrist. And right now, um, just as a summary, we've talked about the fact that actually when a psychiatrist has their patient and they arrive, the storm often has taken place. We've talked about how the bureaucracy of what it goes to get the right medication to um, a, a patient is sometimes the worst nightmare for uh, psychiatrists like Dr. David uh, Salvage, MD. That, of course, is a, a personal experience, and um, it is uh, only an entertainment show here, so we don't cast any definitives. Um, and thirdly, what we've talked about is that your experience with the internet is a personal experience, and we think everyone's experiencing the same thing, but they're not. Um, so that's really, really interesting. And I'm going to bring you on, David, now, because I'll tell you why. Now what I want to do is, although it goes counterintuitive to your very psyche and your internationally acclaimed experience, I am going to ask you to use a broad brush, if you don't mind, as we talk about internet dating, online dating, online relationships. I wonder if this resonates with anybody. <clears throat> and I've got, I've got my little list here. We've done our homework, David and I, Dr. David. This is our list. Mm. Um, literally hundreds of terms, David and I, Dr. David and I, went through over the week. Um, <clears throat> and this is one of the ones that we're going to start with. So the first one that I really wanted to start with with you, Dr. David, was ghosting. So for those that didn't know what ghosting is, what happens, Dr. David, as we've talked before, is what happens is it can be intense. The relationship can be happening. It's all the go, whether it goes from internet and it goes into real life and then literally overnight without warning without any kind of advance notice they've disappeared mm -hmm. what is that about mm -hmm. what is that about you know there are i think several different scenarios that can happen the most benign of them being that the person has really had something happen to them and it's hard to not know, but they've had a stroke, they have a family disaster or something where they just are not able to really handle it and that there's nothing necessarily psychologically wrong, but they have a physical issue where they've lost the ability to connect. Although I would say overall, I think someone who really can't manage to keep something going or at least to say, I'm not going to just withdraw, I really have this other thing that's come up and it's true and legitimate. I mean, it's not that hard to do that. So I think most ghosting does fall into a bit more of a problematic realm. Which but then how does a person deal with that? So, okay, let's just say, like, I'll tell you something. I think out there, it's very it's very frizzled, let me tell you. I watch a lot of TikTok mm -hmm. and ghosting is a huge topic. And I don't think many people, honestly, uh -huh. although it's nice to believe that that person really had something, because there's too many people falling off the cliff too often. And it's yes. become, honestly, a thing. So the thing is, how is the recipient, what does the recipient say to themselves about ghosting? Like, how do you deal with it? Yeah. Well, I think first is if we understand something that's behavioral about response, reward, and the way behaviors are ingrained, when we meet someone we like, when we feel sexually turned on, when we feel romantically excited, there's a huge amount of neurochemical activity in a part of the brain called the nucleus accumbens. It's a pleasure center, and it experiences a bump up in a transmitter called dopamine, which makes it gets more excited and more motivated, and it's what drives us to get out there and want to date and mate and connect. So if we mate and connect, yes. 
So if you look at it this way, like every time you've talked to this person, whatever context that is, you know, it's felt good, it's felt reciprocal, you're getting a rise in your dopamine levels, which is really reinforcing. And so many experiments in um, behavioral science have supported this. If you've been getting very regular reinforcement of something, and then let's say the stimulus cuts out, they ghost. Usually if it's been regular reinforcement of that dopamine rise, if you've say gotten 10 positive hits, and it drops off, you'll probably press two or three or four more times. But then it's a way of using that to say, I'm going to, to use a technical term, I'm going to create my own closure. Meaning as opposed to saying, listen to you, we were having a good time, what went wrong, I need to understand this, etc." is to say, there's something very troubled about that behavior. Someone who is ghosting someone has a lot of problems that is not cool. And so as opposed to saying, I'm going to try to understand this, or I need them to explain to me what they did or something like that, or I'm going to engage in a lot of fantasy as we all can about, did I do something wrong or did they do something wrong? It's something like that is to say, I've got the evidence. Four presses, nothing happened. That person, for whatever reasons, super problematic. So can I ask you, if I interject, yeah. so what you're saying, which I feel better already, um, and I think all those people that have joined us, welcome, by the way, uh, for all those new viewers on YouTube, and also Dr. David Salvage, MD, um, you're listening to Internet Online Dating Relationships. What you're saying, and that can be held for everything is, if you've, the dopamine is up and all of a sudden it's cut off, mm -hmm. don't allow yourself to throw yourself off the cliff basically create response mechanisms that say to you okay um what was wrong with them and also it happens so you've already got it's like the parachute isn't it you're yeah. saying make sure you've got the parachute because mm -hmm. if you fall out of the plane and you ain't got a parachute guess what right it ain't gonna splat right <laughs> it's then splat. it's not pretty picture oh, it's not going to look good yeah. and that's really good for life so i've got another one and this one ladies and gentlemen i'm telling you we have had, david and i have had the best time ever this week going through these terms um dr david gave me this and that and the other it's called ladies and gentlemen zombieing so just mm -hmm. to remind everybody what zombieing is so not only do they have the chutzpah to just push you off the cliff and 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 possibly without your you know your uh, parachute guess what they return so all of a sudden and this and I'm, I'm telling you on tiktok in particular all these people is called um story time and story time on tiktok is all about relationships right and one of the best ones is they're being ghosted and then all of a sudden they're questioning uh, everybody on tiktok saying what should i do he's come back heavier thicker or she's come back heavier thicker than ever before once they've ghosted me should i connect with them again should they connect with them dr david should they connect with them right. you know it's a great question because there are very few things in behavioral medicine or psychology that have like a pretty unequivocal answer and this one does which is do not do it <laughs> do not because the ghoster Whatever scenario their ghosting came out of, they had a broken leg, their mother had to be hospitalized, they got afraid of the relationship and backed off, they may consciously be quite manipulative and sadistic of saying, I'm going to tease you and get you all into this and then pull away. The seducing and abandoning, it's not an uncommon neurosis people have. If they have done it once, it is likely part of a pattern they have. It is very likely it will happen again. And if you go back to the neural chemistry idea of saying, okay, so now it really reinforces this pattern in a deeper way of saying there was a vacancy, but suddenly I began getting the receptor coming after me. That can be a very hard thing to resist. And most people 
unconsciously or consciously who do this kind of zombieing are aware of that. But zombieing diagnostically usually ups the um, negativity profile of the person who does that uh, psychological state, meaning they're really not someone you want to date. Someone who zombies is usually someone who really has some pretty severe psychological issues about trust, sadism, hurting, et cetera, et cetera. So it's really so making that flag of saying this is someone who is really probably more on an antisocial spectrum where they do get some kind of pleasure out of hurting or damaging or being what we sometimes call in the psychodynamic field an exciting rejecting object. An exciting rejecting object. Ladies and gentlemen. You're not going to get that from any other guest. Dr. <laughs> David Salvage, MD, he throws down the terms and then leaves concrete. Uh -huh. um, I have to say to you what's so interesting, and I think we're getting some incredible uh, responses here, is the fact that actually all of a sudden when we were researching this and you sent me articles and we were researching this topic about online dating, internet dating, online relationships, I had a very sim singular mindset. And the singular mindset was only about relationships, internet relationships. This can be applied to anything in life. What you see is what you're going to get. If somebody's going to burn the bridges and throw you off the cliff without your parachute and then they come back for more, then it's obviously a masochistic kind of behavior, whether it's in business, relationships, even dogs that run away. I don't know that dogs <laughs> run away. But it, make, it, makes, it makes a tremendous, a tremendous amount of, se of sense. I really appreciate it. I'm just going onto the uh, switchboard here. We've got so much. Jeffrey Alvin is um, um, uh, uh, prolific. And I'm going to read out this comment. I hope you're all enjoying yourselves. Um, this is just so insightful. Listen to this one. I'll take myself off the screen because I need to concentrate on Mr. Alvin's comments because he's a most prolific viewer. Have you got to say about that? The question is... Well, so what he's saying is that actually he has actually been guilty. That's a good point. The question is, he had Dr. Uh, Mr. Alvin himself, uh -huh. his, his honourable Mr. Alvin has said that he has done this himself, but he's saying it's not necessarily malicious. It could be online fatigue. It could be the fact that, you know, there's a lot of game playing and people are game playing. That's I'm just paraphrasing here. Mm -hmm. And it has become more of an entertainment and not a serious dating event. So what I think Mr. Alban is saying uh, in, in the East Coast of America is actually maybe it's not something that's so conscious and the whole game field, the whole playing field has changed. Mm -hmm. And in actual fact, it's not like ghosting, it's ghosting uh, 2.0. Mm -hmm. Basically, what do you think about ghosting light, Dr. David Selby? Ghosting I have to say this with all respect to everyone who, you know, does the, whatever they do. There is one of the most common neurotic level defenses is rationalizing a behavior. And that is honestly how I hear that response is that it is rationalizing a way of treating someone that's really not quite right. So I think if you withdraw, you know, it's really only the more psychologically evolved way of handling something is to say, unless 
you know, it feels like the conversation's clearly been going nowhere, but if it feels like it's been more of like a meaningful kind of discussion that seems like it's leading to actually meeting or dating or that there's really more of a connection of really saying to the person, I am experiencing internet fatigue and I'm going to be off of this for a while. I'm withdrawing from the platform and to mean it and to just be upfront about it. I think if you do that, it just lets the other person have a much easier time of it. It's kind of like if you're driving in a car, if you're signaling someone that you're making a turn, you know, they may not really crucially need that information, but it's always, I think, just courteous and helpful is a way of saying, but we're all sort of on this internet highway of dating together at this moment. So you might need it, you might not, but I'm giving it to you because I'm just being bigger and a little bit more careful. And here's, an interesting, here's an interesting one, and sorry to interject, but again, what's so interesting about these principles, it's the principles of life. I, I understand, Mr. Alvin, um, from a dating perspective with regard to there's so much toxicity, can be, and that's what this is all about. There's, honestly, there's there's used to be rivulets. It then formed into rivers, and now it's torrents of oceans of toxicity um, that we are in this ocean of, of online dating. Um, however, I think what I'm picking up from what you're saying is, you know, it doesn't matter about how other people are their levels and their standards, but be mindful. And again, it's not, I understand Jeffrey completely. And so again, we're not casting any kind of dispersions. It's open discussion. I've been there as well with Mr. Alvin. I know exactly what he's talking about. It's like, oh, this is LBS uh, with regards to the internet dating and online dating and online relationships. But I think what you're saying is put the indicator on because it doesn't matter if nobody else is putting the indicator on, let them crash, but you should not crash. I think that's absolutely brilliant. I'm going to um, invite you off um, the screen for a moment so you can satiate yourself in the joy of this show. And um, I'm going to just give everybody who's just jumped on a little summary, Dr. David, if that's fine with you. I hope so. Please stand by for more Dr. David Salvage. Um, I warned you all, I pre-promoted this is going to be the show um, that is going to blow us out of the water. And I'm telling you, we're being blown out of the water. Don't forget next weekend, we have direct from London, England, the United Kingdom. Um, on the other side of the globe, uh, Ms. Rubina Latif, who is our beauty correspondent. She's going to be talking about all things beauty, trends, tips and hits and some amazing news about how she is now uh, training facialists in, 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 in Keels in the middle of Oxford Circus and Harrods and all that sort of stuff. If you've just popped on, welcome. This is the Internet Dating Relationship Show. We have in our toolkit the extraordinary honour of Dr. David Salvage, MD, talking all things internet dating. And if you want to need to refresh your coffee, your tea, your wine, your vegan, whatever, please do so as we do a little slice of Dr. David Salvage and go back to part two about lots more terms. We hope you're having a fantastic show. This is Henry and Friends around the globe. And if you think I'm not excited, you're mistaken.
I'm sorry, my switchboard is blowing up so much. They want you. They just want you, Dr. David. And we have so many virtuals. Ladies and gentlemen, we are extending the show unusually because Dr. David Salvage, MD, is in terrible demand here. The sofa is filling up. Um, and I've just got some more um, uh, internet uh, kind of terminology that we have to get through. And people are wanting more, more, more. So uh, we're going to do two right now, and that's catfishing. When somebody who's pretending to be who they are visually normally dr david actually isn't you know in real life they turn up they basically can use other people's photographs they can say that they're five foot six and you know 110 pounds and they're actually you know completely different dimensions look completely different it's called catfishing i've had that happen to me in new york a few times actually you open up the door and you're like um whoever you are and whatever was on that picture uh, uh nah. what's that about what's catfishing about and how do you deal with catfishing Catfishing often falls into two realms of behavioral components for the people who engage in it. One are people who are just very, very insecure and are using the shield of internet dating and the online barrier to say, if I can engage you in some way, you know, if I actually show up, maybe you will really like me and it will work out if I get this into a three-dimensional sphere. And they're often well-intentioned, but a bit misguided about how problematic that behavior really is. The second group, I think, are really a bit more what we would say consciously driven to manipulate something of saying there's a certain kind of rush or an excitement by having an alternate or fake identity and that there may be, again, a little bit more antisocial qualities to someone like that of saying, I'm hiding myself for a particular reason, or I don't want my picture out there for a particular reason. And it does raise a lot of problematic questions. But we were saying before, you know, there are very few questions in psychotherapy which are kind of pretty unequivocal. But usually if someone is a catfisher, it's a sign that they are really not ready to date. You know, but, well, but in the real world, like, so the thing is, the way a person puts themselves out, mm -hmm. and that's actually called, um, I'll tell you right now, kitten fishing. So kitten fishing is the energy sisterhood, if you like, or brotherhood of catfishing. That's why it's fishing. And as we've discussed uh, before the show during the green room discussions over your beautiful organic tea, is that night fishing is the purporting to have uh, an online presence that is dynamite. This person is enthusiastic, energetic. You know, it brings everything to the to the to the picture. You want to date them, you want to marry them within an instant, and then you meet them. They're like, she. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. What about kitten fishing? What's that about? Right. Well, I think it's the nature of the beast of the way cyberspaces work. You know, even if it's not in dating, a website can make a business look better and bigger and more exciting than it actually is. Um, you know, a profile can make people, you know, enhance it, do a variety of things to it, which, you know, creates a certain kind of dynamism. And also some people do communicate through, you know, texting or other verbal modes on a screen in a way that's more disinhibited and more exciting than it may be in person. So what I suggest to people to do is before actually moving from cyber to 3D, is moving to a mid-range of phoning. So there's a little bit more of a discussion, there's a sense of a live voice, and there's a feeling of what are the kinetics in an actual conversation, at which point if you are really picking up there's a significant discrepancy, there's a degree of deflation, this person is just not that animated, you might still go forwards into 3D if you like what you're getting in a different dimension. 
it's almost like you might see, you know, I'm dating myself, but back in the prehistoric 1970s as a teenager, one of the things that was very exciting, you know, that one of the big groups of the period, Led Zeppelin, was they did come on hard and heavy. You know, this was a group with risks. Yes, they yeah, that's true. That's but true. They always set it up in the middle of the show. You know, you had very sensitive acoustic music that was very gentle and very downregulated. So you may be in a good scenario saying someone is really coming on like gangbusters on the web. They're mellower on the phone and possibly mellower still in person, but it may be that they do recapture a spark of the cyber and it's just that they're a bit shy or afraid or inhibited because suddenly they're in a more real space and that's holding them back a little bit. But it lets you kind of move it forwards as you see it, which I think again, moving it to phone gives you much more empowerment as a consciously informed person who's dating to say, I'm aware of the nature of the medium where cyberspaces make people sort of less inhibited and bigger. So if I break it down and say, this is more intimate, it's but it's not fully having a full date, that may be too much too soon. I could see what I get, and if it's not quite the same match, it lets you make a decision before you're all that committed. And that is the advantage of cyber dating compared to way, the way things were before we had computer dating, is in a way there is less of an investment in going out for lunches and dinners and meeting people where, you know, you, in the prehistoric era before the computer, you had people who answered personal ads or were fixed up on dates more frequently with people they didn't know, and that was there wasn't really much of an interim space you just had to kind of maybe exchange actual pictures through snail mail or something like that the advantage of the computer is you get a wide range of people but if you do feel it's someone that there's something that's a real possibility with it's better to move it from the computer i like this and then i like this I think we're appreciating this. I think that um, uh, Tanya Graham, who is a colleague of mine in regional Victoria, Australia, the, the most favourite state of mine, although I've been born in Sydney, I'll true confession, I love Melbourne and hello Tanya and everybody that's watching us from around the globe, uh, being in Poland, Melbourne, London, America, it's a, a wonderful global uh, kumbaya. Um, but there's a couple of things I'd like to pull out already, and that is, and it's also lessons of life, Dr. David, and that is, have the parachute, hello, don't be surprised. Life can be full of bouquets and the brickbats of people ghosting you or bread coming you or night fishing you. You have to have your parachute. Don't be surprised, because if you allow yourself to be that vulnerable, then perhaps you have to look at your own toolkit. Second of all, and I love this, Dr. David, um, is the fact that, you know, everybody's got a different experience. Some people meet their lifelong partners on internet dating. Mm -hmm. Be aware of the different tools people use and why, what their psychology might be. It's not about you. And most importantly, there are median plate points to get to that meeting. So I love the phone call situation. Like, we've forgotten how to ring up. Exactly. Like we really have forgotten. Like, but that's, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. There, there are many zones. And it's yes. like, the thing that is tough is that the cyber zone is such a dominant zone. It's immediate. It gives us a lot of immediate gratification. But the yes. relationship lets you say it's a way of sort of slowing it down. And it also brings in another aspect of psychology, which I think is very useful to consider, which is that as a species, because when we evolved in the African savannas, we really had our brains, but we're a very puny species. 
We're not a lion. We're not a tiger. Those animals have massive inhibitory tracts. So it allows them to really gently pick up their cubs, discipline them without hurting them. They can have very sophisticated kind of social interactions with each other. But it's not that common for two tigers, except maybe for two aggressive males mm. to really injure each other. They usually say one's won the fight and one hasn't. We're not that kind of species. We can get very aggressive. And the internet makes that more possible. Yes. It's disembodied. Yes. And as opposed to, again, the 3D space brings in the reality of someone, their touch, their skin, their eyes, the way their faces yes. move, the emotions that you'd see in it. So you just, in a cyberspace, we're all less inhibited for the most part. It's That's true. Stuff. But the person that we're with is really not with us as a real being in quite the same way. So it's much easier to become disinhibited and and hurt someone. To defriend someone on Facebook or to dis disconnect someone on Instagram is just so easy if there's a minor kind of conflict. But you know what's so interesting, what's coming across, and no wonder you're one of the leading psychiatrists in the Big Apple, the biggest psychotic place in the world, not really. Um, <laughs> you, you, you don't play that as everybody's got neurosis, Henry, not just New York City people. Um, um, but I think the thing what you're saying, which is so interesting, is that actually you have to factor something in. All of us, all of us, we're putting forward our best energy, our best faces, how many times we take, you know, uh, selfies to get the right shot in there and all that sort of stuff. So what you're saying, and it's so true, whenever you meet this person by the phone or in real time and in real life, you've got to factor in that now real life has taken over. Sometimes the transition is terrible. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're trying to hoodwink you. Uh -huh. And sometimes they need to warm up because they've not socialized for a long time. This is genius, Dr. David. I'm going to really implement this with all my things because it's true. It's true. Like I've been doing dealings and I absolutely insist, like when we when we caught up, that pre-interview was like, Henry, I need to see you. I don't want to just hear your voice. Exactly. Now that makes sense. We are running out of time, of course, because when it's a good time, it's always a fast time. I want to just go through a few more uh, interesting terms. You're watching Henry and Friends live right across the globe. We have in the hot seat, Dr. David Salvage Endy, our psychiatrist in practice right here. And just a couple of quick ones. Uh, the next one we talked about before we were on air, well, that was the emergency call. So you're sitting there. The date is a disaster. So it obviously didn't translate. You go to the bathroom. You call up your BFF and you're like, hello, BFF. Call me back pretend there's an emergency, tell them that my uncle has gone under the tractor, tell them my pet bird canary has been swallowed up by a catfish, anything. The phone rings, the dates and pops it there, say, so sorry. Oh, really? Aunt Meg has been caught in the mowing machine? Emergency call. What do you make of that? And how do you think a person should, if they know that that date right from the beginning is just not going to go anywhere, what's better than the emergency call? Your kind wisdom, please. Absolutely. You know, what I often suggest to single clients who are searching for love is to not meet for a lunch or meet for drinks or meet for dinner, but to meet to do something that would be interesting to you and this other person based on moving from cyber to phone and discussing what your common interests are. So let's say you both like art. Depending on what's happening under COVID, this might be a little harder, but it's better, in my view, to meet to go to a museum or an art gallery and look at some stuff and to see it as a time-limited thing where it's going to be two hours. And so if you really just feel like there's no chemistry with this person, which can happen, it's a tough movement from even the phone to meeting in person and suddenly, you know, you're there, they're there live, warts and all, or beauty and all. If there's really no chemistry, 
it's a chance to break the tension and say, you know, I have structured this in my mind to say, I'm mature enough to commit two hours. No one ideally is going to be that awful that I can't spend two hours with them. And if we've established an interest that we both like, you know, abstract art or Renaissance painting or, you know, yes. street fair, it's like a way of seeing how the person reacts to that. That's right. As a way to get out of your own stuff to say, you know, I might not feel all that attracted to them, but, you know, why did they have a particular fascination with Stradivarius violins or, you know, I think that's that. really interesting. I think that's really interesting because then I think it's a more of an even playing field. And it's exactly. also almost like, you know, when you have, um, we have over here in this country, it's called bird's eye frozen peas. I think must come from our motherland, England. It's, and, you know, it's like when you have the frozen bird's eye peas, right, and you're taking them out of the freezer, that takes time to warm up. And so as a result, you're saying get in a thaw situation where there's something that, I get it. Um, we are running out of time. I just want to give a big shout out to Caroline McGuinness, Kat, Lucy Larita, Tanya Graham, Jeffrey Alvin, the main man with the questions, Bellina G, uh, who's been a, a super guest of ours, um, Larita, uh, Melita Simmons, uh, Jeffrey Alvin, of course, the gorgeous Rubina Latif, that you must come back on because I'm telling you anything to do with beauty. With Rubina Latif, it is rumoured that she can make you look longer, of course, this is a disclaimer, um, within five minutes. You can look younger if you, if you listen to this show uh, coming up uh, from London. And uh, who else have we got here? Uh, lots and lots of others. And Elise Hawthorne, if you want to know more about Dr. David Salvage Endy, please go to the description bar below because you've got his website. Um, we've got all the links. Also, all the resources um, that David and I were, Dr. David and I were um, farming um, are on the description below. Please make sure you hop onto YouTube channel Henry and Friends Live and subscribe because we will love you for that because we are opening up the floodgates to um, YouTube. And I'm going to come back on in one second and I'm going to ask Dr. David, what was the number one thing he wants us to take away? And then we're going to do the secret behind the scenes, which you can kind of listen into. It's live and when we have a little discussion about how we think we went. Um, but before we do that, I'm going to put on a little slice. Here we go. Yep. Deep. Super. What a super bloom show it's been. Dr. David, Salvage MD, pleasure, honor, spirited conversation, thrilled to talk to you. What is your little syrup, one wise word, one thing that you'd like to leave us today with regard to internet dating, online dating, and online relationships? I would say if you're really serious about finding a partner and you're really honest with yourself that you are ready for love, is yeah. to trying. Don't be gentle and just really be yourself. Don't be someone who catfishes. Trust that you are who you are, that if you're really ready to date, the person who's right for you has to really connect with the real you and you with them. And if you keep at it, love is a beautiful thing. It's what makes life thick, rich, and textured. Don't give up. Hang in there for love. It's worth it. I, I think that's really interesting. I think it's part of the, uh, I feel very humbled by what you've just said there because often your words of a, a craftsman like yourself, a professional craftsman is, it goes in your soul. 
And I think the thing is, often we put ourselves up to something, um, we say we want to date, um, then we get hurt, and then we go, oh, you know what, the whole scene's terrible, it's not for me, it's not what, you know, I'm, I, I'm not up to it. And I, I'm one of those people from time to time, and I have to say to you, what you're saying is, well, actually, if you go into it with a full heart, and if you have the parachute tools ready to go, and you know that eventually you're going to have to kiss a lot of frogettes or frogettes or frogs or whatever it is, then love is there and it's just one tool, not to take too seriously, but to use as a tool amongst all the other things that you're told to put in our toolbox, telephone calls, taking it easy, going in front of a, a place where there's a mutually um, non-aggressive scene that you can you know, understand and flow together, realise we're all going to perform better online because we can paint the picture like uh, Mona Lisa, that picture was painted. How it would be in real life would it be a different story? Um, we want to thank you so much for everybody that wants to connect with Dr. David Salvage. It's www.drdavidsalvage.com. And in 10 seconds time, you and I are coming back because we're going to do the dissection. Don't forget, next week we have, I'll, I'll put you to the scene, we'll be back in a second with Dr. David. Don't forget, next week we have the most fantastic show uh, with Ms. Rubina Latif, based in London, our beauty correspondents talking all things beauty, what the trends are, what the tips are. You have been a fantastic audience. And in 10 seconds, Dr. David Salvage MD is coming back because we're going to do a little bit of dish as we go a little bit over time, about, about one minute, on how he felt it all went. Stay, stay tuned for the next 10 seconds and we'll have a one minute, 60 second dissertation. Please stand. Just wow. Well. Did you enjoy that? How did you go? I thought it was really a lot of fun, Henry. And, you know, I think that part of it is that you have such a very earnest enthusiasm to know, to share, to really bring the information to your viewers in a way that's very real. And um, it's so nice to be with that energy. And well, also, I think that this is such an important topic. You know, people connect and need it. And it is so tough because there just are a lot of games that the internet system, because it is disinhibiting, stimulates in negative ways when it doesn't have to. Well, I think um, if you um, would accept our invitation, I think the audience would love you to come back. And I think one of the topics that, you know, could be so interesting is post-pandemic without getting the bow out too much and what impact you think that has and what we can do as human beings, as individuals, to have an anecdote against that. Um, I have to tell you, conversely, having you on, truly, with your acumen and your professional knowledge and just the understanding, I feel better. I think we all feel better uh, for you being with us. So it, it really is fantastic. We really appreciate it. Have a good evening. It's now dinner time for you. Yes. And it's now breakfast. I'm going to have brekkie in a minute. Yes, um, with our huge, humble thank you. You're an absolute scholar. We've uh, known each other for, God, 30 years, 20 yeah, years? 20, 22 um, we'd love to have you back. Thank you so much. Have a great evening. And by the way, you might see on, um, if you have some time, you might see that um, on the description below on your bar, I'll be sending you the the, the, the link, but you'll probably see that we, we just couldn't get to everybody. You might want to just answer. If you can, I know you're very busy, but I'll be responding to them at your leisure. I'll be sending you the link. Bye for now. Best to you, Henry. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Thank Bye. you so much.
Well, that's it. Thank you so much for joining us. It was just the most animated show we've done in, 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 in all our shows are always animated. Uh, we're building such a beautiful stable and network. Uh, please do join us on YouTube. Um, we love your participation on YouTube as well. Please go down to the description bar because you will see how to get hold of David Salvage, Dr. David Salvage, if you want to connect with me. And additionally, all the resources that we use today it makes for fascinating reading. I hope this has been an amazing, amazing show for you, for our news entertainment show. I'm going to finish off with our beautiful slice that we can have one more look with Dr. David Salvage, MD. Whatever you do this weekend, continue to be your weekend. Enjoy it. Absolute honor. And I feel elated. I think it might be partially because of the hot chocolate this morning. Take care to all of you. It's an honor. And we're going to finish off with Dr. David. All your comments below. Take care for now.